preached out of, just tucked away here in Matthew chapter 10. But God, I'm glad that we've come to these today. I am glad that I've got to study these this week. And I am thankful that I get to stand up here and preach these words today. And I know there's no way that I can do them justice. But I pray that you would enable me, that you would aid me, that you would give me the power of your spirit as I preach these words. And God, I pray that you would use these words greatly in the lives of the people in these pews. I want them, I desire for them to have courage in the midst of a scary world. Give them that, God, please. They need it. I need it. We all need this passage today. So help us, please. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I'm going to read you a quote today, and it's probably my favorite quote by somebody who's not a preacher or a teacher or a theologian. It's a quote by uh, John Wayne, and I'm sure you've all heard of John Wayne before, the great actor uh, who's, who's passed on already. But he, here's the quote. It says, and, and I, you, sh- you, should, you should understand this and write this down. He, he tells us what courage is. If you don't know what courage is, here's what John Wayne says courage is. He says, courage is being scared to death and saddling up anyway. I'm going to say it again. He says, courage is being scared to death, but saddling up anyway. So when you're scared, you have two options. That's what John Wayne is saying here. You have two options. You can, uh, when, when scary times come, when hard times come, when you're scared to death and face to face with something you, you are scared of or you're fearful of, you have two choices. You can saddle up and go straight headway into it, or you can run away like a coward. That's your two choices. You can have courage or you can be a coward. That's what John Wayne's saying here. When the going gets tough, you can get going and face it or you can run away from it. When you're facing the heat, and that's, that's the old quote says, when, if you can't stand the heat, you've got to get out of the kitchen, right? So you can, if you can't stand the heat, you're going to either stay there or you're going to run away. That's your two options. That's your two, your two choices. You can be a, a courageous follower of Jesus or you can be a coward. That's the only two options that we have. When you face something and you're scared to death of it, and you saddle up anyway, and you go riding right into it, that's what courage is. And that's what we need, and that's what these disciples needed here. As Jesus is saying these things to them, they are scared to death. Understand that. He just told them. He gave them the cost of what it's going to mean for them to be a follower of Jesus. Understand me. Being a follower of Jesus is glorious, it is blessed, it is wonderful, but it is not, I'm going to say it, it is not easy. There is a cost to following Jesus Christ. And he gave them that cost in the previous verses. He said these things, listen to me. He said this, and tell me if this doesn't scare you to death. I'm sending you out as sheep to the wolves. That's scary. The disciples sitting around Jesus are all going to say, I don't want to do that. I would rather tuck tail and run than saddle up and go into that. He told them that you're going to be brought before councils and synagogues. And you're going to be whipped and beaten. He told them that you're going to go before governors and kings. He told them that your family is going to disown you. He told them that all men will hate you for my name's sake. That's a lot of stuff that they're going to face when they go out into the world. That's a scary world out there. We face the same world. We do. The world is scary today. I tell my kids that. That's why people call me overprotective of my kids. First of all, they're my kids. That's none of your business. <laughs> Second of all, it's a scary world out there. And I'm going to protect my kids from it. It's scary. They need to be prepared by me and my wife in order to go out there and face a scary, scary world. And not only is it scary, I believe our world is getting scarier every single day. And I'll say this, it's even more scary for people who follow Jesus Christ. So it's a scary world, get this, in our time now, it's a scary world, it's getting scarier, and it's even more scary for those who name the name of Jesus Christ. So we ought to be, we're going to face these things, understand this, we ought to be scared to death. To go out into a world like that, we ought to be shaking in our boots, we ought to be scared senseless, and in order for us to to go out there, we need these words. 
We need the words of Jesus. These words here, tucked away again in Matthew chapter 10, often overlooked, often obscure. We don't, we don't really study them. We don't know them. But I am so glad that they're here. This, these are the words we need to give us the courage to say, I'm going to saddle up and I'm going out there and I'm going to face that scary world. This is what we all need. It is not scary in here, I don't think. <laughs> It is scary out there. How can we go out there and face what he said we'd face? Jesus says, let me give you courage today. Let me show you how you can be scared to death and saddle up anyway. Let me show you how to be a courageous, valiant Christian. These are great words. We need these today. I would take notes. I would write these down. And the second you get scared, not just of the world, but of the doctors and and of, of diseases and all that the world is going to throw at us, and it will. Here are the words we all need to hear. Take these things down. And let's learn how to be a courageous follower of Jesus Christ. There are a lot of followers out there. There's not a lot of courageous followers anymore. Church history is full of those who showed courage in the face of fear. We don't want to be a generation of cowardly Christians. May we be courageous. You say, Josh, how do I do that? Let's study these verses and hear how to be a courageous follower of Jesus. Let's look at it. I've broken it down into... I guess you guys could probably guess. I've broken it down into three points. Three headings to help us get our way through it. And, and uh, I, I like the outline. I think it will be memorable for you if you want to write these things down. That's the reason I, I do the way I do in, in making them usually start by one letter. And, and they all kind of go together. It's to help me to be able to preach it and to memorize it. But it's also to help you to be able to say, I, I want to get these things in order so that I can remember what's, what this passage teaches us. So let's look at that. I want to give you point number one. We need to have the courage to speak up. The courage to speak up. And that's in verses 26 and 27. As he shows us here, look what he says. Fear them not, therefore. And I want you to focus on that word, therefore. Because every time you see the word, therefore, it's there for a reason. So it's there for. You say, why is it there? Because he's showing us what's, what's, what's supposed to scare us. Therefore is looking back at verse 25. It's looking back at what he said was going to be scary to us. And what does he tell them in verse 25 that is scary? That we should be scared of or we will be scared of? He says in verse 25 that what we fear will be what they say about us. Look what it says. You see that in verse 25. He says, if they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? So he's saying, number one, we'll be scared of what they say to us. They called him Beelzebub. I talked about this last week. They called Be- the word Beelzebub means the, the Lord of the flies or the Lord of the dung. It's what they, the, the Jews called the pagan gods in order to make fun of them. And Jesus was being called the Lord of the flies, the Lord of the, of the dung. He was being called of Satan or demonic. They were calling him all manner of, of wicked and evil things. They said a lot of slanderous things about Jesus. And Jesus says here, if they said slanderous things about me, you better believe that they're going to say slanderous, awful, evil, nasty, ugly things about those who follow me. So we're going to be scared of that. And you may say, well, I'm not scared of what people say about me. Oh, we are. They'll say all kinds of things about us, uh, slanderous things, things that are going to ruin our reputation and and destroy our, our names. They'll do that. They'll call us every name in the book. I've been called so many things. Intolerant, closed minded, Bible thumping. I like that one. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Holier than thou. I mean, bigoted, sexist, all kinds of things. People just throw these things at you all the time. I mean, just one after the other. And he says, You're going to be scared of that. You don't want to be called names. He says, don't fear what they say. Don't fear that, he says in verse 26. Don't let that stop you. Don't fear that. Don't let that silence you. Because the first thing the world wants to do is silence us. 
And they'll try to silence us, first of all, by slandering us. By talking bad about us. They will shut us up. They want us to to be quiet, to zip our lips, to never say a word about Jesus. Be quiet about Him. Don't let that stop you, He says. Don't fear the slanderers. Don't fear the gossipers. Don't fear the name calling. Don't worry about what people will call you. Why? Don't fear them, he says in verse 26. For, here it is, because, here's why we don't fear. He says, because there's nothing covered that shall not be revealed. And there's nothing hid that shall not be known. You say, what does that mean? It's one of the common sayings of Jesus that he's constantly reminding us of. It's encouraging. It's comforting. It means don't fear what they say about you because soon the truth will be known. They'll say you're this and they'll say you're that and all kinds of... Jesus said that in Matthew 5, that all manner of evil will be said about you for my name falsely. They're going to say all kinds of stuff about you. They're going to call you all kinds of names. It's going to be vicious. Again, it's going to be ugly. They're going to say all kinds of stuff that's not true about you. But Jesus says here, let the dogs bark. Let them talk. Let them say what they want to. Because one day, Jesus is going to come back and he will vindicate every single believer that follows him. He will make all things right. He'll show all truth. He'll show them for what they really are. And he'll show us for what we really are. One day the world will know the truth about us. They may think we're this. But Jesus will come back and reveal what we really are. And get this. They may think there's something. But one day he'll reveal who they really are too. All things will be uncovered. He'll he'll take the lid off of everything. He'll take the the masks off every hypocrite that there is. You guys ever watch (laughs) Scooby-Doo? What's the last thing they do at the end? They take the mask off that old monster, don't they? Let's see who it really is. You guys are laughing at me. I got kids. I like Scooby-Doo. And I'm not ashamed of it. I wouldn't dare say Scooby-Dooby-Doo. I wouldn't dare do that. I really won't do my impression of him. (laughs) But what's the last thing that they do? They take the mask off the monster. (laughs) And what's the last thing Jesus is going to do? He's going to take the masks off the monsters. Those people who are fakes. And you know who needed to hear this? Judas needed to hear this. Judas is sitting right there around him. And I think he kind of gave him a side eye. One day, the truth will be revealed. One day, all that is hidden will become known. Judas. And Judas kind of got uncomfortable. There may be some of you getting a little bit uncomfortable in here today. One day, the truth will be revealed. I had somebody message me the other day and said, this one did this, not here in the church, this one did this, and this one did this, and this one did this, and they call themselves a Christian. I had this on my mind, and I said, one day, all that is hidden will become revealed to all. The hearts of men will be shown to be what they really are. That's what he says here. The truth will be made known. God will uncover. God will expose. God will take the lid off of everything, and there'll be nothing hidden. For us, we'll be shown, one day, we'll be shown to the whole world that we were right all along. That who we followed and what we stood for. And get this, Jesus will be vindicated. And all of his followers will be vindicated. And those who were wrong. Don't you love when somebody says, I told you so? Or when you get to say, I told you so. Let's say that. You hate it when it's said to you. One day, we'll be able to look at the world who said all those things about us. And we'll be able to say, I told you so. You say, well, what what is he telling us this for? He says, let them slander, let them scorn, let them say all the things they want about you. He's saying, don't fear what they say. Fear what God will say in the last day. And this gives us courage, too. Watch watch what verse uh, verse 27 says. If we don't worry about what they say, then we have courage to speak up. 
Don't we? That's what it says in verse 27. Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, and hid that shall not be known. What I tell you in the darkness, so go out now. Don't worry about them. Again, let the dogs bark. Let the people talk. Let them say what they want to say. Post what they want to post. and Do whatever they want to do. But you go out and don't worry about what they say. God will make it all right. So you stand up and you shout out who it is you love and who it is you follow. Don't be ashamed of Jesus Christ. I love that. He says, what I tell you in the darkness, what I tell you in private, you go out there and you share it in the light. Look what he says here. This is my, like the fifth favorite, favorite part of this passage. <laughs> I was going to say favorite, but it's not. And what you hear in the ear, this is how it worked back then. A new preacher would get up to preach. A new teacher would get up to teach. And he didn't know what to say. So the teacher would stand beside of him and whisper in his ear. And he'd say, okay, I'll say that. Okay, I'll say that. And he only said what his master told him to say. And when his master told him what to say, he'd go to the rooftop of his house so that everybody could hear him. The rooftop was like Facebook. That's where everybody could hear you. <laughs> And they'd climb up to the top of their house, flat roof, and they'd stand, and they'd, they'd cup their hands, and they'd shout it from the rooftops. That's what he's saying here. You understand what he's saying? Don't you worry about what they say about you. You be an open, you be a proud follower of Jesus, and you get as loud as you can where everybody can see you, where everybody can hear you, and you let the colors fly. Don't you dare be ashamed of who I am. Don't you dare be ashamed of what I told you. You be courageous, and you get at the, at the highest point you can get, and you cup your hands, and you say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Let it be known. Wear it on your sleeve. I've had people say that, oh, you wear your religion on my sleeve. No, I don't. I wear it from the top of my head to the bottom of my toes. I am not ashamed of following Jesus Christ. Let them talk. Let them say what they want to say. He says, shout it from the rooftops. I love that. Saddle up, boys. We're going to the top of the house and we're letting it be known. We'll pray in quiet, but we'll preach in public. Come out of the dark. That's, a, that's, that's the application to us in this point. Come out of the dark. Come out of hiding. Do not be a secret Christian. Speak up in this godless and anti-Christian age. Because whatever is said about you, God will make it right. Let them say we're bigoted. Let them say we're intolerant. Let them say we're narrow-minded. Let them say we're unloving. We don't worry about what they say. We worry about what God will say in the last day. I love what Acts 18.10 says. Paul was in Corinth, and he was scared. They were saying all kinds of evil things about him falsely. And I think he was on the verge of shutting up. And God showed up and said these words to him. Be not afraid, but speak and hold not your peace the words we need in this culture today. Don't you dare be ashamed to say you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Shout it from the rooftops. We need courage to speak up. Number two, you think, well, if we do that, what's going to happen to us? If we, if we stand up and shout out that we are followers of Jesus, you know what that's going to mean? Point number two, we need to have the courage to stand out. Because if we speak up, we will stand out. The guy on his rooftop with his hand cupped over his hands, screaming out, I'm a follower of Jesus, and here's how you can be a follower of Jesus, is going to stand out like a sore thumb. And you've got to have the courage to stand out. Look what it says. Here's the concern. Here's the fear. It says in verse 28, and fear not. This is our second one. And fear not them which kill the body. The first one is what they say about you. The second one is what they do to you. When they can't shut you up by saying things about you, they will try to shut you up by killing you. That's what he's saying here. They're going to try to kill your body. It, it escalates quickly. They'll go from shutting you up by saying all kinds of evil things about you. That's our culture today. 
We live in a culture where they, they try to shut us up because if we say what's tr- the truth, we'll get called names. And it's going to go from we won't shut up to we're going to kill you to shut you up. And he says here, don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid of those who kill the body, who take the life. That's what they did to Jesus. They couldn't shut him up, so they killed him. They couldn't shut up the disciples, so they killed them. Historically, they, sh- they couldn't shut up the men during the Reformation. What did they do to them? They killed them. There's a, you know what the problem with Christians today is? Nobody wants to kill them anymore. We shut up too easy. It's just the truth. So when we refuse to shut up and we, we speak up, then we will stand out and be a target for them. And the temptation is for us not to stand out. But Jesus is here saying, stand out. He says, don't fear them. I love this. Don't fear those who's going to kill the body. Don't be afraid. That's simple. Don't be afraid of that. Because, look at this, all they can do. You ever go to the doctor and you say, give me the news. What's the worst? Give me the worst case scenario. Jesus here gives them the worst case scenario. The worst they can do to you is kill you. (laughs) Yeah, duh. (laughs) That's the worst they can do is to take your life. That's That's as far as it can go, Jesus says here. So don't fear them. The worst that can happen to you is you die. But watch this. So fear God instead. We don't live our lives in fear of man. We live our lives in fear of God. Look what he says. And fear not them which kill the body... Because that's all they can do. They can't touch your soul. But instead, fear the one who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. That's where our courage comes from. We don't fear what man can do to us because the worst they can do is kill our body. We fear what God can do to us. I love that statement. Don't worry about what men can do to you. Worry about what God can do to you. What can God do to you? He he gives us three things that God can do to us. They can only kill our body. That's the worst they can do. But God can kill the body. And he can at any time. Like that. Take our life away from us. No more breath. Like that. Number two, he can destroy the soul. The body is just the, the house that the real me lives in. My soul is who I am on the inside. My soul is, is, is the, the real me. And it says here, not only can God kill the body, but He can destroy the soul. And the third thing that He can do is take that soul and cast it into hell for all eternity. God is so much more dangerous than any man or even Satan. Only touch the body. Kill the body, destroy the soul, cast it into hell. Who are you going to fear? My kids are smart enough to know which one to fear. I mean, you're on the playground. Imagine this, if my kids, i got four kids, if they're on the playground, and my boys are sitting there playing, and there's two people come at them. Their little sister, Emma, who's five years old, weighs about 35 pounds soaking wet. And a bully comes up, And tries to fight them. (laughs) Which one will they fight? If you're smart, you fight the little red-headed girl. (laughs) And you don't face the bully. If you're smart, you don't fear what man can do to you. You fear what God can do to you. We live our lives in the fear of God, not the fear of man. All they can do is hurt my body. God can do oh so much more. So we fear the one who determines our eternal destiny. We fear the one who every single one of us will stand before one day. We fear the one who we will all give an account to one day. That's who we fear. So don't worry about what man can do to you. Worry about what God can do to you. We live our lives in that way. So when you come to a point, and I want to apply this, when you face a circumstance or a trial 
or a fear. And you've got to decide between I will fear man or I will fear God. What will you do? Courage says I fear God and no man. The coward says I fear man. I'll give you some circumstances here. You want it? Will you stand with God in this day or will you stand with man in this day? Will you do what's right in this day? Or will you do what's popular in this day? Oh, this is, this is so good for us. Which side will you be on? We, like, we have a culture today that, that is telling us that, that right is wrong and wrong is right. The crowd of people is going in the wrong way. Which side will you stand upon? Will you be courageous or will you be a coward? Will you follow Jesus or the crowd? Will you go against the flow or with the flow? And it's all, you make that decision on who you fear. Watch this. Think about it. Lose a job. Stand with God. The worst they can do to me is fire me. What's the worst God can do to me? Lose a friend. Or stand with God. Kids. You're going to go to college one day and they're going to ask you to take a test or write a paper. Make an F or stand with God. I've had this. I have this regularly. Lose church members or stand with God. And there's a temptation there that I never thought would be there. That you'd walk up to the pulpit and say, I know who's sitting out there and what they're going to think. And I better take it easy so I don't lose people. Will you stand with God and lose church members? I can go even further. Will you lose your freedom? Do you want your freedom? Or are you going to stand with God? You want your head? <laughs> Or stand with God. Look foolish. We'll stand with God. We must learn to fear God. This word fears holy terror. <laughs> that our greatest fear in life must be failing God. That our greatest fear is offending God. We worry about offending everyone in the world today. Everybody's offended about everything. I get up here and I'm, I'm trying to be very particular about every word that I say. You know, everything is just so particular because I'm, there's a, this one could get offended and this one could get offended and somebody on Facebook could get offended. and it's, a, it's, it's an offensive world that we're living in. The only one that we're not worried about offending is God. We have to get to the point where we have such a, a holy terror for God that I would much rather offend a man than to offend my God. Our greatest fear is disappointing God. Our greatest fear is disobeying God. Our greatest fear is failing God. The last thing we ever want to do is to fail our God. I would rather every man in the world hate me than for God to be disappointed with me. That's what he's saying here. You've got to have the courage to, to stand out and to say, I'm, nobody stands out in the world like somebody who fears God and fears no man. And then and only then, when you fear God, will you have the courage to stand out and not bow down to what the world tells you to do. That's good. Let me give you an example. You want an example? Yeah, you do. A man named Hugh Latimer, an English reformer, 1500s, got up to preach one day, and he looked out in the crowd, and King Henry was out there. You guys know how I love English history and the kings. King Henry was a very powerful man, obviously. Can you imagine that, getting up to preach one day and looking out and knowing that the king was there? The king could do whatever he wants to you. And Latimer said this, that as I went up, he said, I said, Latimer, 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 remember the king is here. Be very careful what you say. Then he said, as I rose up to the pulpit and I looked out and saw the crowd, I said to myself, Latimer, 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 remember that the king of kings is here. Be very careful what you don't say. You know what they did to Latimer? They burned him at the stake. 
but he had the courage to stand up and to speak out. I'll give you another one. You want a biblical one? Turn with me to Acts chapter 4. I got some time. I'll say this as you're turning. It's going to take this type of courage to make it in this world today. Acts chapter 4, verse 15. I thought about reading the whole chapter, but I, I don't have time for that. You guys can read it later on your own if you want to. This is Peter and John, two of the disciples that he told this to. And they're standing before governors. They're standing before councils. They're standing before all these powerful men. And, and, and what they said was, I, I, I'll start in verse 12. They said, neither, this is what they said in front of the whole council, the whole synagogue there, all these elders and all these leaders who who's, has their life in their hands. And they said in verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other. You know what they're doing there? They're cupping their hands and shouting it from the rooftops. Jesus is the only way. To a bunch of Jews who don't believe in Jesus. And they just killed Jesus. Like 40 days earlier. And they stand up and look what they say. Neither. I, I imagine that. They're, they're cupping their hands. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Verse 13. And now when they saw the boldness. You could take that word and the courage. Of Peter and John, and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They marveled and took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they commanded them to go outside, outside of the council, they conferred amongst themselves. They sent Peter and John out and said, Let's talk about this. Let, let, let's, let's figure this out. What are we going to do to these guys? Verse 16, and they said, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle has been done by them is manifest unto all that dwell in Jerusalem. And we can't deny what, what they've done. But that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them. That they, see this, watch. That they speak henceforth to no man in that name. Shut up! <laughs> That's what they're saying. Be quiet about it. Don't say anything about Jesus and we'll let you go. Verse 18. You see that? That was, that was the first one. We'll, 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 don't speak about him. Verse 18. And they called them in and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. Stop it. We'll let you go. Verse 19. Now here's the question. Are they going to fear man or are they going to fear God? Let's see what Peter and John do. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Do you see that? I, I love this. And so when they had further threatened them, they let them go. Finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people for all men glorified God for that which was done. Do you think they took these words that Jesus said and applied them to their lives? You better believe they did. Because it takes courage to stand out. And they stood out. So we've seen the courage to speak up. We've seen the courage to stand out. Let me show you the last point, verses 29 through 31. The courage to settle down. The courage to settle down. Because when scary times come, and they always do, how do we respond? What do we do? What's our first response? It's common for us when these times come. Most of us aren't facing these threats and, and the threat of death and them taking our lives. But when, fi when financial scary times come, when, when health scares come, when the scary times come, what do we do? Most of us have nervous breakdowns. And we get scared to death and we start shaking and it's like we're going to have a, have a panic attack. That's what we do. And I tell people all this all the time. When they come to my office and they call me and they're like, shaking, it's just, it's just, I can't take anymore. I'm on, I'm on the edge. I always look at them and I say, settle down. Settle down. And in my mind, this is exactly what Jesus is telling his disciples. He's looking out at the twelve. And he's just told them they're going to say a bunch of stuff about you. They're going to kill you. <laughs> but that's all they can do. <laughs> and they're sitting there saying, oh, no. 
That's what we're going to face? What did we get ourselves into? And Jesus, with these words here, verses 29 through 31, looks at them and says, Calm down. Calm down. So whatever it is you're going through today, or will go through in the future, Jesus, with these words, says, Calm down, I got this. Now watch what he says. This is great encouragement. I would write these things down here. Because Jesus is saying, trust me, I've got this. I'm in control of this. Look what he says. This is great. These are the same words that Jesus used. I, I don't have the passage. But as, as he's before a council, getting ready to lose his life, this is where he turns to. Again, Peter, Paul, they turn to this. Charles Spurgeon said this was the pillow he laid his head down on every night. When tough times came. What is it? Verse 29. First thing that we rest on is that God is in control of my life. God is in control of my life. Look what he says. I think you guys will like this. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. Two sparrows for a cent. That's what it is. A farthing is a cent. It's like you're going to go out and buy uh, two little bitty insignificant birds, two of them, that's a good deal. <laughs> two little bitty birds for a penny. And Luke goes on to say that you could buy five of them for two cents. So it's, it's like, we'll, we'll throw an extra one in free for you. That's how cheap these things were. And these birds, these, these sparrows, were very small, very common, and, and they ate them like hors d'oeuvres. They were basically our chickens. That's what they were. They, they would take them and they, they were very cheap and they could make easy food out of them. And they would take them and they, they made all kinds of different food out of them. I mean, that's a, they, they loved to eat these little cheap little birds that everybody, anybody, even, even poor people could eat these little sparrows, buy them for a penny, two of them for a penny. And, and they could get them and they could have them some fried sparrow, some sparrow nuggets, you know, some sparrow wings. I mean, you, you get my point there. <laughs> they, you know, we can, we can go to McDonald's right now and we can get, I, I, Steph could help me with this, but you can get like 1,600 chicken nuggets for a dollar. <laughs> and they give us this big box and, and some dipping sauces that you can get in. I mean, they're, they're not expensive. You, you get what I'm saying? That's what these sparrows were. It was the equivalent of a chicken nugget. Even poor people can get chicken nuggets off the dollar menu. We live off chicken nuggets. <laughs> They lived off sparrow nuggets. <laughs> the churches, <laughs> I ain't going to go there. <laughs> I could, I won't. <laughs> Kentucky Fried Sparrows, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> that's a good one. That's, I, I, I cracked myself up with that one. Right across the road from Paul's church. You know, <laughs> A good old bucket of sparrow, you know. <laughs> That's what the, I had to, I have to explain to you what that was. Small, insignificant, nothing is what that is. And there was Jerusalem in that area is filled with sparrows. Millions upon millions of these sparrows running around. That's why they ate them. They were everywhere. And they were just people were buying them for, for pennies. The smallest, most insignificant animal in the world. And Jesus says here, this is, this is mind-blowing to me. Look what he says. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? That's how cheap they are. That's how insignificant they are. And one of them, one, millions upon millions upon millions of these are, are everywhere. And not one of them falls on the ground without your father. And that word falls could be one of two things, and I think it's both. Not one sparrow dies without your father. Or not one sparrow hops or takes a step. Little bitty bird legs taking a step. Not one of them dies or walks without your father. You say, what does that mean? Not one of them hops or not one of them dies outside of his will. Not one of them falls or one of them hops without his knowledge. Not one of them falls or one of them hops without his permission. If his eye is on the sparrow, then you better believe he's watching over you and me. If he is watching, 
the steps of a sparrow. The smallest, most insignificant animal in the world. Then you better believe he's watching over you and me. And I don't even say watching. I don't like that it says he's watching. He's in control of it. I don't like to think that God is up in heaven watching me make a mess out of my life. I like to think, and I believe the Bible teaches even here, that not even this sparrow will fall. A sparrow out in the woods where nobody sees it, and it falls out of a tree, that didn't happen without God's will. Wow. There's probably a sparrow or a bird falling right now somewhere, and God is in control of that? And you better believe he's in control of my life. He says that at the end of verse 31. Fear ye not, therefore, are ye not of more value than many sparrows? If I'm watching over and controlling the lives of a sparrow, am I not in control and watching over the lives of my people? You better believe I am. He's not just the God of the big things that occasionally intervenes in our lives when he wants to. No, he is the God of the intricate details of his creation. He's he's over the fall of a raindrop and he's over the fall of an empire. He's over it, it all. What comfort that brings to them and to us that nothing can happen to me unless it goes through him first. As they're going out there, he's going to say, nothing happens to you unless it gets through me. I'm in control of this. We're not victims. God is in control. That's the only two options that you have. Either we are victims to the circumstances of life and of people and of the murderous, slanderous people that are out there or God is in complete control. You choose which one you want to believe. I believe that if he has his eye on the sparrow, he has his eye on me. God is in control of my life. I'll give you another one. You want another one? Yeah, you do. Second one, that's a good one. Understand, if God is watching over the steps of a sparrow, he's watching over the steps of Josh. Let's go to the second one. Look what he says, the next one. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. You've heard that one before. You say, what does that mean? It is a phenomenal statement. It's not just that he counts the hairs on our heads. It says here, and there's a big difference between he counts the numbers of hairs on our heads and that he numbers the hairs on our heads. There's a big difference between counts and and numbers. And you say, tell me the difference. Numbers means this, that each hair on our heads has its own particular number. Just like he names the stars. And the the Bible says that. I looked it up this week. How many many stars are out there? You want to know how many are out there? One with 23 zeros at the end. I gave it my own number, Godzillion. That's a lot of stars. And the Bible says he names each one. And he numbers each hair on my head. I could pull out a hair right now. I won't because I need every one I have. (laughs) And as I pulled it out, he would in heaven say, that's number 3,102. And he has every hair on our head a particular number. That's outstanding. And not only does this number mean that he has a number for each, but it means that he keeps track of them. He continually updates them all the time. If one falls out, he knows it. If you grow another one, he knows it. And he adds that number. He's always keeping track of the number of hairs on our head. I'll give you another one. That number means he owns them all. You go into the, is the cross reference if you go into Revelation, when he numbers the, the temple in Revelation, it, it's a term that means he owns the place. It belongs to him. That is, it doesn't belong to you, it doesn't belong to anybody else. That's my place. So when he numbers the hairs on our head, it's as if he's saying, that one is mine, and 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 that one fell out, and it's mine too. He numbers the hairs on our head. The average head has, I googled this, you can google it too, has 100,000 hairs per head. Some of you are really bringing that average down. (laughs) I heard a preacher say this week, some some guys go get a haircut and that's what they get, a haircut. (laughs) I'm I'm going that way, so I, I, I shouldn't joke. 
But the average head has 100,000 hairs on it. And we average losing, Google again, 100 per day. And that's just billions upon billions upon billions upon billions of hairs that he's keeping up with. Just in my family, if there's 100,000 hairs on all of our head, then I've got six people in my family. That, that's a lot of, <laughs> I'm not going to do the math. That's a lot of hair, a lot of red hair. We go get our hair cut, they're falling down. He keeps track of every single hair on our head. That's how detailed our God is. He knows everything about us. Get, get this. God is, if God is involved in the smallest detail of my life, and it is the hair on my head, then you know God is involved in all the big things in my life. You, you know that, that, that God is involved not, not just in the hair on my head, but He's involved in who you'll marry. Get this, He's involved in that. He's involved in where you'll live, the job you'll have, every step you take, every day, every breath. The Bible says in Him we live and we move and we have our being. Everything is encompassed in, in God having this knowledge of my life. This is amazing. So what this is saying is to them and to us, as you go out there, there won't be one bruise. There won't be one paper cut. There won't be one word that escapes the notice of Almighty God. I love that. I know that one day there's going to be a boy that's going to come in and try to date my daughters. And I'm going to look at them and I'm going to say, don't you dare touch a hair on her head. I'll say that. And you know what that is? I care so much about them that I don't even want one hair touched. And as we go out into the world, God who numbers our hair says not one hair on your head will be touched unless I allow it. <laughs> now that gives me courage to go out there. That they won't touch not one hair on my chinny chin chin without God saying so. Is that not comforting to you? Nothing can happen to us outside of God saying so. This is amazing. Some say, oh, God is too big to be in the small things. I say God is too big not to be in the small things. My God is so big that He can be involved in every aspect of the world. The hair on my head, the birds that fall, even the molecules and the atoms. Without ever. Well, get this. This is amazing. R.C. Sproul said there's no maverick molecules in the world. And he can be involved in every intricate detail of life. Not just the rising and the falling of kings and of kingdoms, but in the rising and falling of me getting up in the morning and going to bed at night. And he can do that without ever... This is so good. This shows how big he is. That he can have his hands in everything. And never once get his hands dirty. He allows evil and he allows sin. But our God never once gets his hands dirty. He is perfect and pure and holy and he is light. And he is involved in every detail of our lives. Not one person will ever touch me or talk about me in any way that he doesn't allow. That is incredible. I'll even take you one step further because I think it gets better. He's in control. Because a lot of people can stop at that and say, okay, he's in control. Good. He's sitting up in, in heaven. He's in control. He's, he's this God that's in control of all things. That's good. But then he goes a step further and he says, but the hairs on your head are numbered. So it's not just that he, he's in control of all this. It's that he knows you in particular. So as these disciples go out into their mission, he's going to have his eye on that sparrow and upon that sparrow. And as they go two by two, God has his hands upon it all. And it applies to all of us here today too. His hands are upon us all in everything that we do and all, all the places we go. You should be in awe of that God. And I'll give you another one. You want another one? Yeah, you do. Take it even further. Verse 31, and I'm closing. Are you not more valuable than many sparrows? Get this. This is outstanding. He's in control. He knows 
any values. What do you value most in life? I do this, I value more than anything else, and I pray this every morning as I'm backing out of my house in my little bitty truck, and I'm backing out, and it's dark, and my lights are shining up on my house, and I tell God as I'm praying, please watch over them, my wife Stephanie, my four kids, they're all in there asleep, and there's nothing in this world I value more than those people. Please watch over them. And you guys know this. You know this about your own families, that you would do anything in your power if you could keep them all right there with you all the time. I value them so much. If I had a bed big enough, we'd all sleep in the same bed at night. Steph wouldn't let me, but we'd all have it. six of us and a dog. <laughs> right there together. I, I value right there. Everything I hold dear is right there. We're all together. I love that. One day they're going to go out. It'll just be me and Steph, and we'll just look at each other. <laughs> what are we going to do? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I'm joking, but everything I value, I hold dear. And God says, are you not more valuable than the birds? As you go out, understand I'm in control. Understand that I know everything about you. And I value you more than anything else in the world. If that doesn't give you courage, I don't know what will. But you can walk out. You know what I can do now? I can walk out those doors into that scary world and I can saddle up anyway. And I can walk out and I, I can walk out. And, I, you know, we, we don't walk out in pride. We walk out humbly. But I can walk out with my head held high as a Christian and as a follower of Jesus. And whatever they want to do to me and whatever they want to say about me, those dogs will bark at me. <laughs> People will get mad at me. People will leave and do whatever they want to do. Call me all kinds of evil things. And I can stand firm and I can say he knows it all. He controls it all. And he values me more than anything else in this world. And you know what? I'm not standing up here saying that about me and me alone. If you are following him, he values you that way too. He looks down on you the way I look down on my kids, but to the nth degree. Those are mine and nobody can touch her hair his hair without me allowing it. Wow. What value when the world, and this is what they're going to do, when the world does not value you. You may be sitting here today and you think nobody values me. Nobody loves me like Josh is talking about with his kids. I'm sorry. But he does. That's where you find value. When the world, and that's what they're, he's telling them, when the world's going to treat you out there, they will not value you, they will hate you, they will mistreat you, they will call you names, they'll beat you, they'll bring you to their synagogues, they'll bring you to their councils, you'll stand before governors, you'll stand before kings. Get this, your family's going to hate you, your family's going to disown you, you'll be hated by all men for my name's sake. It's going to be bad out there, but understand that up in heaven you are more valued than anything in the world. That gives us courage. That's, that's outstanding. When God looks down on us, when the world looks at us, they hate us and persecute us. But when God looks at us, he says, I value them. And how much does he value them? I'm closing here. I think you guys will grab this, that he, is, he values us so much that he's willing to pay the ultimate price in order to save us. And if he's going to pay the ultimate price to save us, then you better believe he's going to give us all things that we need as we go through life. He didn't die for the sparrows. He died for the sinners. So we don't worry about how the world's going to treat us. We worry about how God values us. And that gives us courage. Oh, that's so good. I needed that this week. I can walk out with my head held high. I can speak up. I can stand out. And I can settle down. Because I know that God values. So if you're here today, I don't know what you're facing. I don't have any idea. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know the burdens you came in here with. But he does. He knows. He cares. And 
He is in complete control of it. And with that, you have nothing to fear, and you can face anything knowing those things. There's nothing you can't face. Nothing. So the next time you're scared to death, you can saddle up anyway, knowing that God knows, God cares, and God is in control. I'll tell you this, though. I want you guys to know that. That's why I wanted this sermon. It's for us today. But if you're here today and you're lost, I know this. If you're not saved, if you're an unbeliever, if you've never had your sins forgiven, if you're on your way to hell and not on your way to heaven, you have every reason in the world to be scared to death in this room. We in this room who are believers, we have every reason in this, in this room today to not be scared. But if you're an unbeliever, you have every reason in the world to be scared. You ought to be shaking. You, you, ought, to be, you ought to be nervous. You ought to be having a panic attack. If you're sitting in here today, I'm, I'm thinking of myself, because I put myself in your shoes this week, and I thought, what if, if I was an unbeliever and I heard this sermon, what would, what would I be doing? And I thought, I know what I would be doing. If there's any doubt about it, I'd be sitting in the pew shaking. I'd be, I'd be a nervous wreck. I'd be holding on for dear life. I wouldn't dare step outside this, these doors. I'd be sitting here in bubble wrap. I can't get out of this place. I'm scared to death. God could take my life. He could take my soul. He could cast me into hell at any moment. The only thing that's keeping you out of hell right now is the mercy of God. He could cast you into hell at any moment. You should be scared to death. I'm not trying to scare you, but you need to be. Fear God. And what he can do to you. He, he, Jesus said it. And I am not ashamed to say it. If you're an unbeliever. You're going to go to hell for all eternity. He said it. I'll shout it. You need to be scared. Don't fake it. Don't sit here and say. Yeah, everybody thinks I am. Don't do that. One day it will be uncovered. <laughs> Judas. Side eyed somebody in here. Been faking it for a long time. Judas faked it for three years, didn't he? And what happened? Cover came off. Scooby-Doo, mask came off. Seen him for who he really is. One day there'll be people standing before Jesus and the masks will come off. Lord, Lord, I never knew you. Oh, you better be careful if you're going to fake it. Don't assume it. There's going to be many churchgoers that's going to go to hell. Don't just assume because you're here today that you're going to be there tomorrow. Don't do that. So what, what do you need to do? Don't fear what somebody's going to say about you either. Oh, they think I'm saved. If I walk that aisle and give my life to Christ, they're going to say this about me. Don't fear man. Fear God. So I urge you today, sitting there in your pew and you're not sure, sitting there in the pew and you know I'm not saved. I'm not a believer. I'm, not, I, I'm still in my sin. I urge you today to walk this aisle, believe in Jesus Christ. You can meet me right here. You can meet Brandon right there. You can meet Johnny. I'll have him stand right here. Three of us will be up here. You can grab one. And we'll show you what it means to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And all fear, all fear will be cast away. Believe today. Sitting there, I'm scared. I can't come forward. Courage is being scared to death and saddling up anyway. So you, you saddle up, walk this aisle, and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for what a glorious passage this was. Glorious. Help us all in here to be courageous Christians. Courageous followers. We need this. We don't want to be cowards. We want to be courageous. And God, I pray if there's one in here that's lost, may they today... You, by the power of your spirit, grab a hold of them and not let them go. And they give their life to you. Please, God, work during this invitation time. Draw those to you, please. And again, for Christians that are facing something today, may they find comfort in these words. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As the music plays, the altar's open. Mm -hmm.